What is up, legends? Welcome back to another episode of the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. I am your four-way co-host, Daniel Chappelle, Coach DC, and I'm joined by three other incredibly buff and talented bodybuilders over here. We've got Jack from the Bodybuilding Dietitians, Lawrence, the uh, the general or, you know, the general muscle, and our man Dan from DY Fit. What's happening, legends? Not much, just keen to podcast with you guys. This is what I look forward to the most every week. More We're than training here, chest? Like 80 years old. Yeah, more than training chest. Um, yeah, it's probably a hard second then, I think. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, what's been happening, guys? What's, uh, how was your weekend, Jack? You are up, obviously, at the Nationals. How'd that go? Yeah, it was a great show overall. I was just down there on the, the Sunday at the show itself. And Saturday, Tara and I just kind of relaxed a bit. But the Sunday show was pretty incredible for Team TBD. I, I don't want to steal too much thunder from both Kate or Tierra, because uh, Tierra is Kate's coach, but Kate has a, had an incredibly successful showing on Sunday, getting her figure pro card and then deciding to compete in the pro show afterwards and even winning the figure pro show, which was an outstanding achievement, uh, especially for her first season ever of competing. Absolutely. Yeah. I wasn't there on the Sunday, but just seeing the, the photos um, she, you know, was a clear winner in my eyes. I think she looked incredible. Um, and I think she came back to win against the competitor that she came second to in Queensland state titles, right? In that pro show. Yeah, yeah, she did. And I think it's a good lesson for everyone that even on the same day, like if someone beats you previously, it doesn't mean you can't come back and beat them, uh, especially refining either your posing or conditioning or even for some people, muscularity between shows. Yeah, absolutely. I think the big point of call there is that you make, you know, refinements from show to show, you get feedback from the judges, uh, you get feedback, obviously, from your coach, and you make tweaks and adjustments to, to basically showcase your best within the, the weeks following. So, yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, and how about you boys? You're on a deload at the moment, Lawrence? Yeah, mate, on the deload. And we've just entered the second week of the mini cut, which has been good, actually. So, no changes for nutrition since the first week. So we're just going to run the same thing again. Had a pretty decent drop in macros from what was off-season calories. I think we went down about 30 fat and about 225 carbs straight off the bat. So decent way over a thousand calories gone straight up, which is nice. I've been enjoying just being a little bit less full and a little bit less stuffed throughout the day, especially at the end of the day when you have that final meal. But no, all is going well, mate. I think my body is really weird, but also a bit predictable in the sense that I tend to have very similar weigh-ins. And then when I hit like a Thursday or a Friday, that's when I'll get that quote unquote whoosh. So that was the the case last week, looking to be the case again this week, but I can definitely see, you know, just that initial water drop has just kind of tightened up a few areas, which is nice, but just deloading for the remainder of this week, um, doing up my new program, which I'll send through to Joe and make sure he's happy with it. We had a bit of a phone conversation the other day and going to just try and allocate a little bit more volume in this sort of for the remainder of this year towards obviously still the back, but a little bit more towards the calves and the hamstrings as well, especially after seeing those uh, hammies from the rear of Mr. Radford Smith. Got to get my my move on with those. But no, nah, all's good on my end, mate. Um, not too much else to report, just doing the do. And I'm looking forward to just being a little bit leaner because it'll be exciting to see what a lower weight is looking like. Absolutely. Do you, do you have any specific strategy in and around your, your deload you know, versus when you're in a gaining phase or when you're in a dieting phase? Does your deload approach change at all? No, not really. Even if I think back to in prep, whether it's prep gaining, mini cutting, it's always pretty similar. So I still go in for all of the sessions, but I just reduce the loads used to 70% of whatever was the week prior so that I'm still moving around. I'm not losing any of those neurological adaptations of like skill acquisition or anything like that. But it is also just nice to be able to go in, move a bit of weight around. I'm only there for probably about 45 minutes to an hour and then throw a podcast in while I'm there. It's not, you know, I'm not having to hype myself up in terms of arousal. I'm not having to get myself worked up or anything like that. But I do find that like being in there and just moving around, getting some blood flowing, for me, anecdotally, that it does seem to help my recovery rather than just not going in at all. Because I have had a, a deload where sort of uni was really busy and I just ended up not really training that week. 
And I, I definitely know it was harder for me to get back up to speed the following week. So I do like the approach where you at least go in and just, you know, muck around for some sessions and just do a bit of movement, get a bit of a little bit of blood in the muscle and then go home, which is good because it opens up for more time doing other stuff as well, which is handy. Absolutely. Sometimes I coin the, like a deload week is almost like a technique week. It's like go in there and refine your technique, perhaps focus greater on the intended muscle you're trying to, you know, recruit through your movements, um, throughout, you know, loading or reducing the load, if that's the case of the approach that you have within that deloading protocol. Um, and that sometimes helps to uh, allow some people to invest within that deload to, to a greater degree. I think sometimes people think, oh, you know, I don't really want to drop back. Uh, in terms of my load and my reps and things like that. Like I want to hit the gym hard, but I would almost say that if that's your, your mindset and perhaps you don't need a deload in the first place, you, you almost need to, uh, to earn that and really need, you really want it for it to, uh, to provide benefit, you know? Um, righty, my man, Dan, what's going on? Well, I just finished up my deload too, and I just finished up my mini cut. So this week we're now transitioning to pretty much like full blown cows. I think we're about 200 to 300 down from when I was just entering the last mini cut. Um, so cows are up, new training pl programs in place, energy's feeling great. Um, yeah, I'm just moving very smoothly at the moment. Since this is like transitioning into the uh, next half of like my massing phase, uh, pick some new lifts, stuff like that, stuff that I might not have been using before. And yeah, I, like I said, I had a little bit of an injury, so we've had to make some swaps to some certain lifts. But other than that, everything's going really smoothly. Energy levels increased, finally back into a full uh, full week of normal training and wrapped up the uh, deload last week. Yeah, I find that towards the end of the mini cut phase, I start to notice myself seeing that decline in energy and uh, definitely have become a little bit more food focused towards the end as well. Um, but it's nice once you finish that phase, you're the kind of like the grass is greener on the other side. You're kind of instantly ready for that, that next you know growth phase. Um, so awesome, man. Now, yeah. before we get into the actual kind of uh, meat and potatoes of today's topic, I wanted to ask you guys a question. And, uh, and this is basically me just scrolling through my Facebook and I came across this post, you know, people, they, uh, they tag each other in, in ridiculous memes and things like that. And uh, I was looking through the comments of this particular meme and I was, I was just laughing my head off. Uh, and it was basically people badly describing what they do for a profession. Um, and obviously they're not telling you what it is, but you can kind of infer pretty quickly what, what it might be. And it got me thinking as to what I do within the, within the bodybuilding space. So I'm thinking that I essentially help people controllably starve themselves for a plastic trophy and an eating disorder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd be in the similar boat to that where I pretty much get paid to sit in my pajamas all day to look at uh, half naked photos to then look at how imperfect they are to make them then more perfect so then they can win a plastic trophy. Yeah, and they're <laughs> mostly females, might you add as well, DY. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then half my camera rolls, probably comparisons of like before and afters of females too. So it does get a little bit, uh, how you going? <laughs> yeah, I have something similar to, to you guys where essentially I help people lose weight and, and achieve the best conditioning of their lives only to help them regain the weight afterwards. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, what not, about a, you, not a traditional weight loss coach. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess mine's probably a little bit different, but I guess when you when you distill it down, people come to me, they say, oh, it hurts here. I poke that. Oh, is that where it hurts? And they go, yeah, that's what it hurts. And then I basically ask them, well, what does it hurt when you do? Like, what hurts it? And then tell them to not do that for a while. They come back and then I go, well, does it still hurt? They say, oh, yeah, but it's a little bit better. I'm like, okay, let's do a bit more. And then eventually they come back and they're like, oh, it's not hurting anymore. And then I just tell them to go to the gym, essentially. Yeah, right. So shit, I could have gotten a physiotherapy degree with uh, just by following that protocol right there. Mate, it is really not rocket science. Like physio <laughs> can be distilled into one sentence of let shit calm down and then build it back up. Like it really comes down to that. So Look, all the free free physio degrees for you boys. I'm dishing them out like candy. Fantastic. I'm changing my Instagram bio immediately. Eat your fruit, <laughs> eat your veg, eat some protein. Yeah. And you're good. Yeah, get some movement. That's about it. BC, oh, you yeah. didn't uh, update us on your week though, mate. How's everything on your end? Yeah, good, man. So I was at Nationals as well uh, on the weekend. And we got down on the Friday morning. Um, we had a competitor, Michael, competing on the Saturday in men's physique. 
And uh, so the Friday, we just kind of chilled, head out west to the to the hotel, and uh, and you know set ourselves up and everything like that. Uh, did a check in with Michael as well in that evening, uh, and then the following morning he was on it around midday, uh, and he definitely brought his absolute best to the stage. I thought that, and this might be biased, but he did get feedback from the judges that he was the most uh, conditioned uh, physique competitor on the stage, and it just seems as though they went for a little bit more size or mass on the day. Um, but we couldn't be any more happy, to be honest, because, you know, as you know, it's about just improving your physique from show to show. Uh, and he's like double the age of some of the competitors that he was up against. So, man, it's just an att a tribute to him in terms of his work ethic, mature age muscle. This guy works uh, two, you know, two businesses, uh, entrepreneur, has a family, you know, two kids and was still able to get through all this and get the result that he intended to get whilst, you know, managing that, that sort of side of things as well. So. That's a true motivator or motivation to me, absolutely. So, yeah, man. Did yeah. you? Um, did you? I saw that you and Nicole and then both Jack and Tierra had a bit of downtime, a bit of south scene in Sydney. What did you guys get up to? Yeah, so we on the Sunday because we didn't go to the, the Sunday show. Michael finished up on the Saturday. Uh, we just headed out to the east coast and did the Kuji to Bondi walk. I think we ended up getting a good like twenty five thousand steps. It kind of gives me prep prep trauma to be honest um, but that was really nice Nicole had never been to that side of Sydney so it was really nice to show her there might have eaten a few almond croissants here and there as well but um yeah it was nice man what about you Jack what did you guys do on the Saturday one thing I learned is that there's not much to do in Ruti Hill that's for sure other than see a bodybuilding show so Tierra looked up a few things to do and it turns out there was a, a zoo next to us so of all things bodybuilding related we went to a zoo checked out a few elephants and some kangaroos as well. Um, not sure how I feel about zoos, as I told Tierra, given that, like, is it ethical? Is it not? Like, did they rescue these animals, etc.? Typical me to bring up that sort of debate with her. But yeah, it was, it was uh, a good way to pass the time. Yeah, awesome. Jack, of all the animals that you saw on that day, if you had to fight one, one-on-one -on -one with nothing but your bare hands, what is the largest animal there that you think you could defeat? The largest? Uh, maybe one of like the little fish in the aquarium, I would say. <laughs> oh. yeah, I was going to say wombat or something like that, maybe. <laughs> what, yeah, what was that gym that you went to down there? The World Gym? That, that looked huge. Mm. Yeah, I think that was World Gym uh, Chulora or something. Uh, that was actually just on the way to the airport, but it's, it's handy having that passport membership. But it was it was really good. Like they had a bunch of Arsenal equipment and like good old Cybex hack. And yeah, I mean, World Gym Brisbane pales in comparison to to even that World Gym. So I miss having a, a Cybex. At, there's no Cybex at Brisbane. There's none at Mount Gravatt either. So I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Wait, how many plates did you get on it? Did you use it? I just tried it out like with a plate aside because it wasn't it's brutal. Hey. It is. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot different to the pre-core the pre-core you can kind of it's almost like a leg press the pre-core because it's on like a 45 degree angle a reverse leg press whereas the cybex is is much closer to like that traditional squat pattern yeah because i remember when you and i trained legs together at world's bayside going on a couple of years ago when we were some young whippersnappers <laughs> i think we not sure if we ended up using the cybex or not but i think you were like oh i'll i reckon i'll do like three aside and i was like okay mate and then you try it and you're like, oh, like just heaved it up for a single. But yeah, if if any of the listeners know of that machine, the Cybex Hack Squat, whether it's like the Mark 1 or the Mark 2, you just know that that is an absolutely brutal bit of kit. And then you watch Keefe do bloody seven plates aside and you just feel like quitting training, really. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> seven and a nugget or something, wasn't it? Like that's literally what like Ian Valliere and like Sean Clarita are doing. Like, how does that happen? It's absurd. And here we are back on Kiwi West again, but just insane, man. Insane. Yeah, that is some hectic, hectic weights. He's looking incredible so far throughout his prep. His, uh, his rear shot, like just the density of his back, obviously based on the, the kind of weights that he's pulling, it's, it's a no-brainer that you would have an incredible back, for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure he looks even better in person, like seeing that, the density and just the amount of muscle he has in person. I think I don't think all of that comes across to photos and even with your guy on the weekend I was going to say like he looks a lot more impressive in person and I mean that in a good way than he does in in photos mm. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Even the lighting, you know, obviously on stage, the lighting can be um, incredibly, uh, it's incredibly harsh, you know, so you get that sort of backstage lighting or in person, you see that person and um, yeah, they look, they look a lot better than on, than on stage, unfortunately, mm. but yeah. Yeah. If I, um, speaking of lighting, I'm not sure how closely any of you guys follow like the enhanced realm. I know that DY does because we talk about it, but did you see the photos of Blessing, a Wadibo from his show in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Man, yeah. so yeah. improved. Like every shot, he just looks so much better. Like he was amazing. Yeah, it's crazy from his last showing. His last showing wasn't that great. And he, I think he even pulled out of a show because he wasn't too happy with it. So he pulled out like a couple of weeks before his last showing. And then next thing you know, he comes out and then wins the what the whole overall. It was just absolutely insane. He looked ridiculously good. Same with um, one of the other boys that were there that came second place, I believe. He looked ridiculous. Was it well. Charles Griffin, Matt's guy? Yeah, yeah, it was one of Matt Jensen's boys. He looked absolutely insane as well. It would have been a very close scorecard, I think. Mm. And then we have that uh, guest posing from Nick Walker and Derek Lunsford. Mm. Derek Lunsford looks like he's 300 pounds, man. Yeah. I mean, there are some people still saying that he's going to go back to 212, but judging by the size of him in that guest posing, like, I don't know if that's possible. Well, I was listening to Harney Reinbold's podcast today, and he said that the plan is still to pull down to 212, even though they're going to have to lose some muscle. Mm. But Harney also said that it's just going to be a matter of time before he moves up to the open. But man, like to be holding that level of condition in the off season, like, man, seriously impressive. Yeah, yes. he looks absolutely insane. It's one of those things where he's already won the 2-1-2, like Olympia. So it's like, well, like, should he take the step now? It's like he's already done what, you know, most people set out to do, dream to do. Yeah, absolutely. Back on um on Blessing, I think the last season that he did, which, correct me if I'm wrong, but it might have been sort of a year or two ago, um, I think he put out like a challenge, an eating challenge on his YouTube or something like that, literally the night before. And it was just like an absurd amount of calories that he, that he, that he pushed in. And the food was just outrageous in terms of what he what he chose to eat, and there was no, in my eyes, calculation to you know the protocol which he was um, he was striving to achieve, and obviously he spilled spilled the following day and and did not present his best on stage. So I think he kind of learned through that and obviously applied perhaps a bit more science in terms of his approach to the peak week protocol, and you know and come back and and obviously taken the the show. Yeah, because there was a lot of heat between him and Nick Walker going into, I think it was the New York Pro, and it was like, they had a lot of heat, like they were going back and forth, so it was like, who's going to win out of the two, and then yeah, Nick obviously won it. <laughs> That's right, yeah, he took that show out, hey. Yeah, I plan on bringing similar vibes next year with Jack. We're just going to turn on each other at like 10 weeks out, out of nowhere, it's just going to be ugh, animosity online, it's going to be spicy as. Yeah, I think Dan I mean, and I are going to be the, the two that are taking the podcast at that point in time. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think we'll be we'll sound like zombies and, and look like zombies at that point. Could you imagine we'll like two little natty guys in like their oversized tees, like like facing off like they do in the MMA? They'd be like, what are we watching here? Come on, guys. Come on. Then I'll be just here instigating it all. Like, you know, who's looking better? We need physique update photos, you know, calling you out. Speaking yeah, of that yeah. whole like spilling over though, DC, like I'd be interested to hear your opinion because why is it that it seems like when you look at the enhanced realm, you know, they always talk about like, oh yeah, the coach said I was flat. So he told me to go get sushi or told me to get burger and fries. Like you've got even more variables than a natural athlete because you've got the PEDs coming into the picture. So it's like, why wouldn't you just want that calculated with saying, okay, have this amount more of rice or this amount more fats to your meal if you're going to give them a refeed like why do you think it is that it's the whole cheat meal approach rather than just like an increase to your ugh, hate this word but like clean foods yeah i think it's sort of a, a bit of a two-way street here because it may just be like an old school approach like you know back when calorie counting wasn't as as uh, abundant when it came to a pre-week protocol, uh, it would just work off portions and looks and how you look basically, right? So I think it, it it still very much is that in terms of your you know on day nutrition, show day nutrition, but there still needs to be some degree of calculation in terms of okay, what's perhaps this person's predicted maintenance and let's sort of titrate nutrition upwards based on how they're looking on the day. Um, so it kind of might be might come down to that, but for perhaps also just 
being super physiological and, and, and obviously there's added PEDs in there, that, that has an interplay in terms of you know, the person's physiology and how they store and hold onto water and so, so on and so forth. So I just think it's, it's a poor balancing of variables or perhaps it's just more challenging to balance those variables in comparison to you know, us as their natural route. Yeah, I think it, I almost think it's just steeped into their kind of bro culture for lack of a better term. And the culture of bodybuilding, that's what they deem is the right thing to do is to go out and get that sort of meal and then hope for the best. Yeah, I remember absolutely. JP was coaching an athlete. Um, I remember the giant, you know, the big fella that you, yeah, Jeremy Joe Hall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, giant. And I remember that he was having to eat so many thousand carbs each day, and he just wasn't able to get full. So I think actually JP prescribed him like a dirty, dirtier style load, where he was then having pizza or something. I could be a hundred percent wrong, but I believe that's what they were like portraying, like on Instagram, where they were actually because he was such a big individual, like he's a huge guy. So then having to feed him so many carbs, he just wasn't able to get that fullness that a lot of the other pros have. So they did like a dirtier style load. Mm. that could maybe be why um, i guess yeah. we're kind of crystal balling here because it's almost impossible to know exactly mm. what these people are doing with their with their peak week protocol mm. um but and then double know, my stage weight too so what do i know you know yeah exactly but maybe triple do i who are doing it correctly like you know Gene, dean mckillop and all of his his athletes like they all looked incredible mm. at the at the ifbb queensland show and obviously the the winner that took out the show was um, a lighter you know, weight than some of the other guys there and, and definitely held his own and presented the best physique on the day. So um, yeah, I watched the show in person and uh, he looked incredible. Well, not, obviously not, not the one down in, in Melbourne, but the, the, the state show here, like he looked insane. Cam George, under 80, looks about 110, probably with the uh, insertions that he's got. He looks absolutely insane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me, um, I just reached out to Cam actually and I'll be interviewing him this Sunday on my show, which I'm really looking forward to. It'll be interesting to chat to him, especially because I think from what I've, you know, gathered from his Instagram and stuff, like he's a father and I think he does have like a, you know, a normal nine to five job as well. So it'll be interesting to hear how he kind of managed a really important prep alongside all of that other life stuff as well. I think it will be pretty cool. Especially seeing the improvements he made since 2019, I think it was because I was at, I was at that 2019 show where I, I think he won his weight class, but he didn't win the overall, and he kind of got got the overall and then the pro card this time around, which is super cool. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, I did. I did have uh, some other a question I wanted to quiz you guys on, like related to the just your training at the moment, because I'm sure many listeners are interested in that. We kind of talked a bit about nutrition last week, but like, what is what are the current like uh, performance goals if you had to pick like one or two for this block like are there any lifts you guys are looking at um, any weak points you guys want to bring up through a lift dc i'll let you kick that off mm, yeah so actually i'm just coming off the back end of a, a little, bit of a lower back niggle slash tweak so the last program that i ran the the last two weeks we bk and i basically had to omit most uh, hinge based movements just to try and let my lower back kind of kind of heal out um I can't necessarily pinpoint exactly what, what I'd injured. It felt like a bit more of a sprain of perhaps my QL, my QL area. But um, yeah, so for me, at the, for the immediate moment, it's just building back into some of my more heavier compound movements again. Um, I'm still starting to incorporate. I'm starting to incorporate back into RDLs, uh, but the amount of volume that I'm performing is a little bit less. Spending a little bit more time performing like 45 degree back extensions with a rounded back. Um, just because that seems to feel a little bit more comfortable in my back at this point in time. Uh, and that's kind of the, the focus at, at this point. Um, I, I don't necessarily have any particular movement that I'm wanting to prioritize at this point in time. Um, I'm just getting a love back into training again, sort of post-show. post, post show. I have to admit, I did lose my love towards training a little bit post-show. And I think it's just because it, it's what happens. You, you, you're so focused for a period of you know, six, week, uh, six months, for example, for your contest prep. And then post-show, uh, you sort of lose that, that, that sight a little bit and you kind of have to like get the love for training back again. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm not putting too much pressure on my performance uh, goals. I'm just kind of letting myself get back into loving training again. Yeah, I think that's like same thing happened to me coming off stage uh, in season A 2021. Like it probably honestly took me about six months to actually get into the gym and like feel 
like accomplishing those goals. Bef otherwise, before that, it just seemed a bit mechanical and monotonous and falling back on discipline over motivation. But yeah, and I think we'll probably discuss it a little bit later on. Uh, DY, what about you? Yeah, so my main focus points for my next showing are going to be trying to be like bring up my chest and back. So me and Joey have got like a little bit of a different approach, a little more like a high frequency. So I've actually got chest and back on three days, but obviously the volume split throughout the entire week. So it's not like seven, eight sets on one day. We're going pretty much like three to four on each. Um, but I've reintroduced stuff like I haven't done in a while since coming out of prep is like bench press. So I saw uh, Lawrence was running that similar, similarly, similarly, oh God, similarly as well. <laughs> Fuck, I can't say it. Um, but yeah, like, so I've introduced stuff like that. Uh, chest supported T-bar row has been pretty much my uh, bread and butter for like the last probably year and a half. Progression still coming on uh, quite smoothly. So in terms of introducing new lifts, not really at all. Just keep just re-adding in that bench press. Um, but now that obviously post-show period's wrapped up, I'm pretty much in like the best spot to actually continually grow these throughout the off-season. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, nice. I did see that. Was it last night you posted that uh, physique update? The chest definitely seems to be coming along very nicely. Yeah, as I want to step it up to like the physique category, I feel like my chest and my like the, my back taper just probably isn't up to scratch at the moment. And that's going to be like a huge focus point. So mm -hmm. I introduced it the introduced the dumbbell inclines uh post show because i hadn't done them in a long time so i ran those from probably about 30 kgs and i'm like up to about like 47.5s now so hopefully soon to crack over the 50s awesome and how would you describe the for the listeners that maybe don't know like the difference between fitness and, and physique so fitness is like a touch smaller, like upper body wise, but then you also judged on your legs as well. So if you've ever seen like WBFF, like men's fitness there, it's pretty much the exact same as that. Just not enhanced, obviously. Well, untested. So that's, a, that's probably the best description I could just, but a lot more emphasis on like posing as well. Like you've actually got to have more of a routine where like, if you have like a men's physique style, like physique, like you can pretty much step on stage and it's like, if you look the best and you can present yourself well, you're, you're pretty much going to take the placing. Mm. And then in terms of attire, like obviously the difference between fitness being sort of trunks and then um, physique being more like the board shorts, which is obviously why fitness would be assessed a little bit more on like their legs because you can see that sort of lower aspect of the quads as well. Um, and then I think in, in physique, you've also got, you know, some obviously some muscularity poses as well. So uh, in comparison to, to fitness. Yeah, yeah. Men's fitness, you don't have like any muscularity poses at all. It's pretty much like your front, your back and your two side shots. Obviously you can throw in like a little bit of like muscular poses, but you just got to be careful with them because if you like trickle too far over into that physique category and make yourself, let's say, look too big, like which is possible for men's fitness, then they'll mark you down because you obviously look like a physique athlete. Like you can't go on stage and just throw like back double buys with like clenched fists because you're probably going to step over the boundaries. Same with like side chest and side tricep. Mm, yeah, for sure. Because at nationals, uh, Michael, the, the the rounds that he that he was put through was uh, front double bicep, side tricep, side chest, not in that order, swapped, side chest, side tricep. Uh, and then it was like a back double bicep and a abs and thigh. That was kind of like the main ones. And there's no lat spread or anything like that. Obviously no muscular, most muscular or anything like that as well. So, yeah, I think for the physique guys, you're still going to have some good muscle mass on you for sure. Oh, at this stage, they're pretty much nearly uh, bodybuilders, but in board shorts, just yeah. with a really good six pack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what about uh, you, Lawrence? How are things going? Yeah, training's been really good, mate. Like, obviously, like I've been saying since I started bodybuilding, I just need to bring my back up. But I think this is the first year where I've probably looked at some shots and gone, all right, there has that definitely been some appreciable improvement, which will be good, particularly the rear lat. I still think the rear double and the rear relaxed are a bit weak, but that's what we've got to change. So a lot of back work, that's probably the highest volume muscle group for me at the moment. In terms of like lift progressions and goals, I would like to get my stiff legged up to four plates. So that's sitting at about 170 for a set of six to eight at the moment. So I'd like to try get that up to 180, but I know that's going to be some tough grafting just because that's a movement that, you know, it's a bit harder to progress that one than it is like a conventional deadlift if you are ensuring that your form's not breaking down and stuff like that. I've been grafting with the 50 kilo dumbbells on the flat bench press and I'm 
really just want to get it to eight reps because that's what I wrote down as one of my goals for this year. So I've had so many weeks in a row where I had like seven, 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 and then I had like a week at six and then I deloaded and then built it up again. So I think in the next blocks, I'll check off that flat dumbbell with the fifties for eight reps, which will be cool for me. And then, yeah, like DY was saying, I've been given the flat bench press a pretty good hot crack over the last few months. And I really would like to get that to probably like 110 for about eight. And I think that's probably sitting at about six reps or six or seven at the moment. So it's feeling really good. Like I'm someone that for me, like pressing is a lot harder, just given that my arms are really long. So whilst that does assist for the pulls, it's a bit harder when you're doing some of the pressing movements, but it's all getting there. You know how it is just one week at a time, just adding where we can. And yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if we have added a bit more tissue to the back and sort of the chest as well when I'm at a little bit of a lighter body weight and compare that to the last time I was at 90 kilos. Cause I definitely think there should be some improvements there. Um, but yeah, as you know, it's only really once you get all the way dialed in that you can truly see how much you've gained. So I guess I'll have to wait a few more uh, months until we get to see the real picture. Yeah. I know you're running uh, deadlifts for a long time. Are they still in the rotation? Yeah, so I've swapped the conventional out for the stiff-legged deadlift now. So I was pretty much just pushing those conventional ones and I sort of told myself once I get to that five-plate mark for a top set, then I'll put them on the back burner for a little bit, especially given that I think, you know, the conventional deadlift is a very efficient and biomechanically favorable lift for me. So I think that choosing something like a stiff legged is probably going to challenge me a bit more, particularly give me a bit more hamstring, which I definitely need. And yeah, I guess just the way that it was getting distributed through the week, I needed to just think a bit smarter about my lower back loading and how many big lifts I had throughout the week just to manage fatigue a little bit better. But no, the stiff legged is awesome. I'm really enjoying it. Like my pull day that I have at the moment at NRG is just my favorite session of the week, you know, chest supported T-bar. I've got like machine pullover, a lot of really good pull downs. So that's definitely the one at the moment. Do you find that for, like within your last season or, or post last season that you did, did you have a period of time in which your, your motivation to train had dropped a little bit or did you kind of just hit the ground running? To be honest, I think that because I was going through like a really hectic uni semester at the time, training was kind of my outlet at that time. So that prep was crazy, man. Like if I wasn't training, if I wasn't eating, I was studying just because it was third year of my degree, which is, you know, the hardest semester for us at UQ. So training for me was like, as soon as it started to feel better, because I was getting more body fat on and more energy, it was still awesome. Like it was going so well. And I'd say it was probably only like a year later after that, when I got to around September of 2021, where I'd got through my placement and stuff, like I sort of finished up a block and I thought like, okay, yep, I'll take my deload. And then I was just kind of like, man, this, this is just, I don't, I don't want to go back. Like, I just don't have that desire. And it was actually worked out really well that that had coincided with a week that I was going away with some friends to sort of celebrating graduating and stuff like that. But yeah, it was the, really one of the first times in my training career that I just thought it's not just the fatigue. It's not just, you know, a few niggles, but like, I just don't have the desire to get into the gym. And I think that was probably a combo of just, you know, fatigue of really dropping the hammer and not taking the foot off the gas for like a full two years with training, going through a pretty big year with uni and stuff like that. So I think it's, it's very normal. And I know even guys like Mike Isretel and Berto Nunes and stuff, they're big proponents of having, one to two weeks a year where you just don't go in at all and you just give yourself a proper break. And I think that's probably equally as important from a psychological perspective as it is for recovery and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah I think, absolutely. Yeah, sure. I think especially for people like us who all of us where we, we train, we don't necessarily exercise. And that means like we sometimes don't look forward to those sessions. We get a little bit nervous and anxious and that kind of builds up like that cns fatigue and therefore compared to someone who might just go to the local park and use the exercise equipment there it's it's a bit different for us it builds up a lot more stress i would say yeah sometimes it actually feels like you're working you know what i mean mm. like it's not it's not it's not all play like you've got work to do when you get into the gym because obviously you have these big goals but constantly striving to that every single day can sometimes just be mentally exhausting as well 
Um, so I, I'm definitely an advocate for that, you know, taking a week or two off for sure. I don't think there's going to be massive detriment to taking a little bit of time off the gym when it comes to detraining or anything like that. You know, I think it's, it's probably going to provide more benefit than, than, uh, you know, risk to reward ratio, so to speak. And, uh, I think this is a really good sort of uh, segue into the, the main topic that I wanted to talk about within today's podcast. And that's basically transitioning to the off season for comp prep competitors. And what better time to essentially talk about this than now, considering that the season A has, has wrapped up, we are, you know, 17 weeks out from, from the next show, but for the competitors that competed over this season, you know, they're, they're right in the midst of that sort of recovery and transition phase back into what you would deem as, you know, normality, normality again. Uh, and this particular time for a lot of people can be incredibly struggle, you know, struggle street, so to speak. Um, and I think it'll be cool for us to talk a little bit about perhaps our own anecdotal experiences with that, that transitional phase. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so firstly, let's, uh, let's chat with you, Jack, about your last season and, and what you sort of experienced like coming out of that, that season. Yeah. So Last season was a bit different to my first ever season, like first competing in 2018 and then later in 2021, 2021 being more experienced and having coached people myself and wanting to try something a little bit different compared to my first season where I, I took that very conservative route of almost like a reverse diet, not really intentionally, but my body weight was quite slow to respond. And then I also got injured um, only a few kilos over my stage weight. And then because I couldn't train very optimally, I didn't feel like uh, increasing my body, that body weight that rapidly. And therefore I, I basically just compromised my like health, not, not health to a significant degree, but like my hormonal status, status probably took longer than it should have to respond and probably influenced my physical recovery from what was like a back injury at that point. And leading into my uh, last season in 2021, I wanted to rectify that by choosing like a traditional recovery diet approach and being quite assertive from the get-go. Like I had immediately post-show, uh, like the two days after I basically had like a, a cheat day, so to speak, ate as much food as I wanted to. And then for me as an individual, I'm very all or nothing. So if I have that day to, to do what I want to do and eat as much food as I want, I'll, I'll be happy. Like I'll, I'll gladly stick to whatever macros I'm given or set by myself um, for X amount of time. So that's kind of what I did. I, I ate, I indulged, overindulged, and then I kind of went back onto my, my macros, which were in a surplus anyway, and then probably put on about four to five kilos in, in six to eight weeks, which much more assertive than last time, but I, I felt a lot better for it. And uh, I think it was a really good kickstart to the off season for me. Fantastic. What about you? What about you, Lawrence? Yeah. So last year, man, I was actually in ways like a little bit disappointed post-show, not because I thought I blew out or anything, but because I just hoped it would be easier. Like I came into it, it's my third season. And I thought, man, like this prep has been a breeze food focus was low just because I thought by that third year, like I wasn't just showing up to like, Oh, like, let's see how I go. Like the drive to win was really strong. So I feel like having that enhanced focus on the end goal definitely made the food, not much of an issue. Like, yes, I was hungry. We all get hungry and prep, but I wasn't sitting there like looking at food pages on Instagram. I wasn't looking at menus of places I want to go post-show. Like the job was on the goal at hand. So I thought, man, post-show, I'm going to absolutely cruise through this. Food focus has never been lower. And then to my surprise, like food focus was crazy post-prep. And I was remember sitting there some days and just going like, ah, oh, like I thought this would be easier. Like I thought I was kind of past this as a competitor, but I guess that's my own naivete in that it's never really going to be easy when you've taken yourself down to essential levels of body fat. Like the body is going to be yelling and screaming at you to go get some food, especially now that the goal is gone. So yeah, I definitely had one or two evenings there where it was planned to be a meal, you know, off plan. And that turned into probably like two meals off plan in the one evening. And then the kind of the next day you're like, ah, oh, like, you know, like I'm better than this, especially like, you know, you, you go and you win some shows and you think of yourself as a good bodybuilder and then you still can't handle yourself post-show exactly how you would have liked, which was a little bit disappointing. But I think 
in the grand scheme of things, I was probably a bit too hard on myself and probably a little bit too, I guess, stuck in the way of trying to be optimal and not trying to relax. And then when it eventually did come time to let the reins off a little bit, I didn't quite, you know, have that control of them as I would have liked. So that will definitely be a focus for me next year post-show is to, you know, communicate with the people around me, communicate with Joey a bit more and just kind of plan a little bit better and, and not be as hard on myself. And, you know, hopefully that post-show is in New York. So there'll be plenty of yummy goodies around. So I'll have to keep my head, but I'm sure we're going to be doing thousands of steps on those days as well. So I'm sure it'll all come out in the wash. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could probably vouch for myself in a similar, in a similar manner in terms of um, post-show and the, and the difference between, you know, first season versus sort of second season. But I'll talk about myself after yourself, Dan. What about you, man? How'd you go with the the post uh, comp vibe? I actually remember being backstage and you said you'd, you'd bought this like giant slab of <laughs> sort of slice or something like that. And I remember laughing to Nicole and thinking, oh, man, like if, if he doesn't have anybody else eat that around him, it's just going to be stuck in his fridge and it's going to disappear in like a week or less a day. Yeah, nah. so my man, uh, Nick Navitas, uh, actually got us that for like my entire team. So we were planning to go out to like eat after, but the show actually finished like so much later than expected. Um, we didn't actually have anywhere to go. So pretty much I like ordered a bunch of food, short comes to short, everyone came around to mine and we all split it. So I did not eat the entire block. I actually sent some of it down to like South Australia for some of my other clients as well. But um, post-show was actually quite good. It, it, was probably the best I've ever had. I treated myself as like a client, let's say. So I actually filled out my own like check-in sheets every single week. Um, I would always check in with Joey. He would send me my macros and stuff like that. But in terms of like, you know, bugging him all the time, I didn't want to do that. So I actually filled out like my check-in sheets, but I gave myself like a budget because I know trying to be super strict with reverse dieting sometimes doesn't always go. Like there's some people that might be able to do it, but I found the perfect balance for me was like one to two meals out a week. So I would like allow myself to have one to two meals out a week, especially with like my partner after she sacrificed like 28 weeks. Um, and then, yeah, we pretty much just, I went about it like how I'd like a client to, like, you know, allowing a couple of meals of freedom, um, not letting the weight affect me. So I actually dialed back on like weighing myself every single day. I started weighing myself like once a week. So I wouldn't have to step on that scale and be like, you know, as calories increase, obviously the body, the body weight's going to increase as well. And it does affect people mentally, especially like when you step on the scale and you're up a hundred grams every single day, like it does get a little bit daunting, but I treated myself like how I'd like a client in my situation to do it. And I guess it was probably the best reverse diet I had so far. So I think over about 10 weeks, I gained about like seven kilos. Um, but then after that body weight pretty much settled down, we started increasing calories as we went in the off season and strength was going up as well. Yeah. Fantastic. So it sounds like yours was quite well managed uh, post-show. Yeah. Well, I've had a couple of good ones and a couple of bad ones. So my third one, I was like, like I said, I wanted to treat it like how I would want a client to do it. Like if they were to do it, like with a decent bit of flexibility, like if they were in the same situation as me, but like my first time actually with Joey, um, I actually had a barley trip pretty much the day after, um, the day after show. So I pretty much flew out at 4am in the morning and let's just say the buffet at Bali got attacked about three times daily for about three days. And I was up uh, eight kilos in like three days. And obviously not expecting that coming out of show. Like you expect, you're like, you know, what, I'm going to gain some weight, but like you don't expect the weight that rapidly. Like you might be like, yeah, I'll, you know, eat whatever I want. And I'll be up like two kilos. And then you weigh yourself and you're like, holy God, it's actually like eight to nine kilos in like three days. Like it does come on very quickly. And coming out of my first show, I wasn't expecting that. So I definitely realized that. And obviously I wanted like my last prep to uh, really set me up for this next prep that's coming. So obviously I tried to mitigate a lot of the excess fat gain just from previous experience. Mm. Mate, yeah, being post show, even that airplane food would have been hitting different. <laughs> yeah, I remember actually when uh, we went over to New York with Alana after my um my second show. Uh, since she was in prep and she was over there, I was just getting double of everything, and I reverse dieted out actually quite well, similar to what I did leading up to the New York trip, but. When you're over in New York, like you're not settling down. And like when we were over, even in the flight over there, which she's getting served like red velvet cake. I'm like, yeah, babe, accept yours. So then that way I've got double red velvet cake. I had like double of the main meals and the airplane food was actually like 
ridiculously good. So it was, it was definitely deadly. But in terms of the whole New York trip, it was over about three weeks with like the last week being in Cancun. And I think it was like 10 kilos in three weeks. So like you got, you got to be careful. Like, you know, especially when you in New York, I wasn't holding back. So yeah, I heard you were sitting in the crowd of WNBF worlds eating a burger. Yeah, funny enough, actually, me and my coach Joey, uh, yeah, we were both sitting in there as we we're watching the WMBF bodybuilders like up on stage, and we're sitting there with uh five guys, burgers and fries, and obviously we had to get the shakes too. We heard they were good, so we had to test try them out. Last thing you know, I wanted to do was leave uh five guys without trying their shakes. I'm just imagining you up on stage, and, and people can just hear this <laughs> you know, down in the crowd, and just this swath of like burger just coming up through the competitors. Everyone's sniffing in the air. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I'll be sitting there like slurp of the shake as one of my girls are on stage. Lats, lats. And then like just start sitting back on the shake again. Yeah, All yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how good. Um, so I think the common theme there is that everyone sort of tends to, you, you kind of tend to learn from, you know, season to season, but it, it doesn't necessarily get, get any easier. You know, I think the process is still very, very tough. And for me individually, when the first show was, uh, or when my show was cancelled in 2020, um, I actually tried to hold on to my leanness for probably a little bit longer than what I should have. Uh, and part of that was because I was sort of uncertain as to whether comps were actually going ahead or not. So I'd, I'd heard from, you know, Brandon that all the competitions were sort of cancelled and there were some states that still had, they still could, uh, they, I think it was Adelaide that still had a show that, that went ahead. So I was kind of like almost holding on to that in case I could somehow travel. And, uh, and that was just a, yeah, a bit of a cluster. So I tried to stay probably leaner than, like I said, I, I should have. And it, I definitely think it delayed my ability to recover, you know, through that process. Um, I found my most recent, my re most recent contest prep, uh, it wasn't necessarily any easier, but I did know what to expect. I did know that I would get, you know, a huge ramp up in terms of my uh, hunger sensitivity. I would just be, uh, and, and that reward sensitivity. So like everything just tastes incredible. You know, it almost rolls, rolls your eyes back as you, as you eat it. Um, and I, I did tend to put on, you know, quite a bit of weight within those first, uh, I think it was about first three to four weeks. I put on about, I think about eight, eight, eight to eight kilos or something like that. So it was quite, an aggressive increase in, in weight. Um, but I would almost argue that the individual strategy that someone has to adopt for that recovery phase, uh, it's, it's like a rubber band effect. So the, the harder you dig, the harder you, you know, the, 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 the more you restrict energy availability and the more you dive your, your, your sex hormones, the, the, the harder you're going to rebound when it comes to that rubber band effect. So I think everyone's individual kind of recovery slash, you know, reverse is, is bespoken to, to the person. Um, and for me, I knew that I just needed to put weight on back on until, you know, I, I, I would feel recovered. So I almost thought it was a disservice to my recovery to try and slow my rate of loss to perhaps that sort of quote unquote 10% of stage weight, you know, post six weeks of show, I probably was up by 15% of my, my stage weight by, you know, the, the six week mark. So I think a lot of competitors can be can be incredibly apprehensive about you know seeing their their weight increase and and that's that scare of like taking your progress photos each and every week and comparing them amongst you know the the previous week and just the the, the whole premise of like body fat regain is just absolutely whack. I don't know if you guys can speak on that one as well, but how you lose it going down looks a lot different than how it looks when you go back up. What do you guys mm -hmm. reckon? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I experienced that firsthand. Like, it just looks horrible, for lack of a better word. Like, you look very soft, you look weak, and you don't perform well in the gym, even if you have like five or six kilos of weight gain straight away. And it's just purely comes down to the naturals. Like, we're in a very compromised position hormonally. And it probably took me to get to around like 86, 87, 88 kilos. And I competed at like 76, 77 um, to actually feel like I was unstoppable in the gym again. And I'm sure you guys know that kind of feeling where you get into the gym and you get under a bar or, um, and, and you feel unstoppable, like you feel super uh, stable and you can brace well. And it just took so long for me to get that back, which is probably the most frustrating thing about that re reverse and recovery process for me. Yeah, like almost. It's, I find it's funny that it's not 
when you feel recovered is not necessarily exactly when you, you know, bring your weight back up to that off season ideal. Like I found for me, there's, there's almost like a delay. So let's say for example, my stage weight, I was roughly around the, the 80 kilogram mark. I probably didn't feel normal until my weight was back up to 94, 95 even. Mm. Um, and I'm sitting at around 92 right now and I feel, I feel great. Um, so I almost had to push my weight above and beyond where I comfortably sit in the off season to actually feel some somewhat recovered. And even though pushing my weight back up, it took me essentially weeks and weeks post that to actually feel somewhat normal as well. So when you, when you push your weight back up, it's not necessarily synonymous with when you start to feel much better as well. There tends to be that sometimes delay of a month or two before you start feeling, you know, somewhat, somewhat normal again. Yeah. And like, speaking on the way the body fat comes back on the other thing i just find crazy is like where it comes off first and then where it also comes back on so for example like my abs will come in fairly early in the piece like even now in my mini cut i can notice my midsection is getting leaner and tighter but then as soon as you start eating again and you start to put the body fat back on it's like the abs are the first thing to blow out and it's like annoying because you know that's one of the muscle groups that you know the world and society associates with being in good shape you know you wish you could have a, a six-pack year-round sort of thing but as soon as you start to get it's almost like as soon as you have that first post-show big meal your abs even for me anyway are not quite as crisp as they were like on show day and it's almost instant like as soon as i know that i get that first big meal in i'm not going to have that same sharpness to my midsection as i did when i was on stage Lawrence yeah, has spilled. He spilled over, you know, one day post. It's all done. Missed, I missed the peak by two hours, mate. I peaked on the plane on the way home. <laughs> I think that's that sign of, of spilling essentially is like a stupid amount of vascularity. Like you're just ridiculously vascular. And obviously that, that finer definition through like the paper thin of the delts, uh, the striations of the serratus, you know, the lower abs start to get a little bit of fluff there. It's like, that is a, just a typical, you know, spilled look. Like I remember looking at my photos, the, the week post show, and I was probably the most vascular that I ever been throughout the entirety of my, my contest prep. Um, but my definition was just not, not there whatsoever. And my abs probably look like they were, you know, 10, 10 weeks out or something like that. So yeah, I think, I think it's almost like your body starts to, to fill in from the inside out, you know, it starts to replenish some of that more visceral fat organ tissue before it starts to then prioritize more of the, you know, distal, distal appendages in terms of your, your fat mass. So you end up walking around with a soft, soft abs, incredibly lean arms and legs and, uh, and, and midsection is just, it looks like you haven't dieted. <laughs> yeah. Even, even if we look at it from that survival instinct, because ultimately our, our body thinks in terms of survival and like what is the most important area of our body? It's our midsection protecting all of our internal organs. So that's potentially why we put body fat there first as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, like, do we want to chat about maybe some, or quickly to wrap things up, maybe some strategies that we use or what we think are some good strategies post-show and, and how we recommend people to think about gaining weight post-show? Yeah. So one thing like on that before is uh, I wanted to, cause it kind of loops into both of them is obviously taking the focus away from the body fat percentage and the scale, because like, obviously the weight's going to go up, but that's like just one metric of so many, like what about the strength in the gym? Like how you're actually feeling energy and focus wise. That's just another thing as well. Cause like everyone, everyone post-show is going to see a weight increase and pretty much a body fat increase. Unless like for some reason you're, genetically very gifted but uh but yeah it's like you know you're gonna have maybe changing the focus like instead of it being body fat and scale weight swapping it to performance in the gym for me personally i swapped out a couple of lifts that i was running all the prep so i took out bench press and i took out deadlifts just for that initial six weeks put in some new lifts there and then my training was amazing because every week i'm progressing like i'm not worrying about the scale weight going up i'm sitting there and i'm like you know well now my incline bench press is going up um my rdls are going up and you know just swapping the focus to the actual training performance which is obviously going to be the biggest factor in uh the improvements that you're going to make coming towards that next in that next showing yeah i completely agree i think that mindset shift is so important from 
like that visual aesthetic standpoint to progression in the gym, because I think there are so many competitors still who still don't entirely correlate the gym with how they look on stage next, like the gym and your performance in the gym, like directly correlates to the muscularity you build for next time. So if you can get straight back to performance by gaining more weight or by gaining a decent amount of weight post-show, then that's a win for you rather than trying to preserve aesthetics. Absolutely. Yeah. I definitely think as well, like just normalizing the process of weight gain again, you know, you've pushed your, your body, your body fat levels to essential. Uh, you need to gain that back to feel somewhat normal. So normalizing the process of weight gain, I think is incredibly important for all, you know, post comp competitors. Uh, it doesn't make the process any easier by normalizing it, but you can certainly rationalize, you know, the need to eat more based on the fact that you need to recover. So I think, not the sooner you push your weight back up, but having a strategy in place to perhaps more aggressively push your weight up through the initial stage rather than, you know, a couple of hundred grams per, per week. Uh, certainly a better approach, I think, for, for, for recovery. Obviously, it's based and, and spoken to the individual. You would even argue the category itself, such as, you know, the comparison between a bodybuilder on stage and the leanness that they need to, to get versus, you know, perhaps a women's bikini or something like that. But that doesn't necessarily make it any easier or harder for the individual based on their individual circumstances so i still think that someone who diets for bikini is still going to go through very similar if not the same struggles of, of post-comp you know regain than, than the male as well but normalizing that process having a plan i think reaching out to people around you as well and communicating your struggles particularly like your coach i think the more you sort of shelter yourself and, and try not to talk about these things the harder it gets because you you get more in your own mindset uh, it's important to have someone else around you to kind of be that non-biased you know mind that can give you more of a rational sense um yeah what about you lawrence any sort of advice that you recommend for for someone that's post-comp yeah i think the only thing i think you blokes have covered it really nicely just try not to be too hard on yourself and don't subject yourself to another 10 to 12 weeks of contest prep restriction in order to just be a little bit softer but eating 200 more grams of carbs because you're still going to feel like dirt you know don't stick to that meticulous reverse diet because at the end of the day you're just going to delay the point where you're out of body fat where you're going to be productive in the gym and actually going to be have a hormonal profile that is going to be favorable for building muscle so if you're still too lean you're not going to be in a good position you know they always say oh when you exit a contest prep you're just, you know, this beacon of muscle gain, you're, you're primed to build muscle. And that's just absolutely false. Like if you think about it from a biological perspective, your body has everything on it except adipose tissue. So what's it going to favor putting on? It's a pretty simple answer. And I just think, you know, people are going to want to take you out to dinner. They're going to want to take you out for drinks. They're going to want to have dinner at their house with you and cook you a meal. And don't shut those things down just because you want to try be 100% meticulous there's more to life than hitting your macros on the dot every single day there's more to life than being a bodybuilder so don't subject the people around you as well to another 10 to 12 weeks of contest prep when they're finally at a point where they want to celebrate with you and celebrate this thing you've achieved so try not to be too hard on yourself try not to kick yourself if you do have a bit of a slip up because it happens to all of us and even people that are more experienced, they've had multiple preps under their belt, they're still going to mess up every now and again. It's it's just human nature when you do something as, as extreme as we do. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing as well, which you guys kind of touched on is time. So if you don't, if your hunger signals or your food focus isn't back to normal after one week, like there's no need to stress about that. Like how long did it take for you to get shredded? Probably a solid four to six months. And it's going to take probably, to be honest, around that time frame of again to get completely restored back to homeostasis or what you were experiencing prior to prep at least in in my experience yeah i can vouch for that as well i i, I think for me i didn't really feel fully recovered probably until four or five months post-show which you think about is a is a tremendous amount of time uh, but that needs to be normalized too you know you're not sitting three months post-show and you should be feeling 100 normal again you're still feeling lulls in energy and things like that just know that you may need just that little bit more time to be somewhat recovered or even more recovered awesome yeah. lads so i think that kind of wraps up today's uh episode in terms of the uh, bodybuilding down under podcast is there anything that you guys wanted to add at all before we finish things off 
Not really from my end. I think a common theme at the end of these first few episodes is we're still not yet to release it to the public, which we're aiming to do in the next couple of weeks. And I'm looking forward to that. What about you guys? Yeah, so for me, obviously I'll do a shameless plug for my own podcast because I just had the great man DC. His yep. episode aired this uh, last Monday. It's getting a great response. So if you want to hear a little bit more about his origin story, do head over to the General Muscle Podcast to give that a listen. And while you're there, you can listen to a little bit more about Jack and DY because they've both been on the show as well. So if you're wanting even more info about the members of the Bodybuilding Down Under crew, head over there and give them a listen. Absolutely. I'm super excited to get it shared, get that logo out there that we uh, just finalized this week and uh, get it public. Absolutely. Yeah. The reason why we haven't released straight away is we've just been finalizing the logo. We've been finalizing the intro and outro music too, and just uh, having a few episodes under our belt. So the release is very smooth. Well, thank you again, guys, for joining us today. If you love today's episode, remember to give us a subscribe and a five-star review. I believe that that's the only option to, to give us. I think that's the only star rating, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we don't accept anything, anything less than that. So, uh, but we'll most certainly see you in the next episode. Peace.